The History of Personal Computing. Hi there, and welcome to show 49 of the History of Personal Computing eBay Edition podcast. We're running a little late this time, so today is Sunday, October 16th, and on today's show, we continue our look at the third tier of personal computing, covering the handheld palm top computer. I'm David, and I'm joined by Jeff. Hey, Jeff, what's new with you today? Oh, this late this Sunday evening. Yeah, well, you know, today was actually pretty warm, but I'm feeling fall coming on. Uh, pretty soon I'm going to have to put the motorcycle away, and that'll give me the sads. Oh, really? You won't ride it in the cold weather? Or well, cold weather? I, I'm probably good to about freezing, and that's only because oh, yeah. uh, I have enough gear to keep me warm. It's just I'm more worried about ice on the roads yeah. uh, than anything else. Oh, right. I wouldn't want to do that. I don't have to worry about that here. Supposed to get a heat wave this week, so it might even be short sleeve riding um, sometime midweek. We're supposed to actually get up into the 80s. I was just looking at my. Uh, I'm trying to find the weather. I uh, I switched to uh, an Android phone. You did, yeah. So the, the iPhone. ones that explode. <laughs> well, ironically, is I now have. I guess you would call it the flagship, because since uh, Samsung killed. Officially, the uh, what is it? The, the Note Seven. The, the Note Seven, because of you know, after the second recall or whatever, they they have c- completely just killed it, right? Recalled yeah. all of them. So I have a, I got a Galaxy S Seven Edge, which is okay. A I have screen. regular S Seven. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, and I like it a lot. And and, uh, and now, of course, that's getting a bad rap because it has a seven in its name. Some airlines are saying you can't even turn uh, on your S Seven. Really. Yeah, well, you know how it is. You know they they just associate the the name. It's got a seven in it. Well, okay, shut off your iPhone seven too. Where's the weather app? As I'm talking about the like, what's the weather looking like? Because yeah, it's been pretty hot, but I think it's gonna. I think we're finally. I mean, hot for autumn. It's been like just over eighty. We're still pretty comfortable for here. But anyway, I won't bother with it right now. But I think it's I think it's going to be like you know mid seventies this it's week. It's not and, the heat; it's the humidity. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so today it got it got fairly warm, but nothing like it's been. It's been like one of the hottest summers in a long time. Yeah, we had some cold nights, and I've suffered through them. But um, I, oh well, I guess I just put the motorcycle away and then drive the Beetle instead. That's actually got heat in it. So yeah, so the reverse here is, I mean, unless it gets seriously cold and ices over, which can happen here in the Atlanta area, but you know, rare. It's not. It's not too much more a chance of that. You know, it'll be great weather for me to ride a motorcycle because it's been way too hot during the summer. You know, once it was always overnight, I would never try to ride that thing over. I don't know, eighty degrees, just too uncomfortable. Oh, I did. I've gotten a good tan with it. Also, I got that farmer's tan going. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Wore short sleeves, and you can tell the difference between where the sleeves end and you know where it opens up. So I, I had some really good tan. In fact, I think if you look close, you can still see the raccoon face from my sunglasses. So tell us about this news item you got here. I want to do this. Okay. Are you going to tell them first what we're going to cover today? Oh, no, nah, I'll, I'll do that after the news. <laughs> okay. I was looking at that. I go, oh, it makes sense afterwards. All right. Um, some of our listeners probably know what a Raspberry Pi is, and that's just a small single board computer running let's just say on average about a one gigahertz processor with uh, hdmi and or composite out depending on which version you get basically it's a it's a computer i mean you you can install an operating system on it you can put a version of linux on an sd card stick it in there and you have a linux computer in a very small form factor you can hang it off the back of your tv and with a bluetooth or, or wireless keyboard and mouse you turn your tv into a computer uh it's a neat little device, and it's cheap. Depending on which version you get, it's anywhere from five bucks to thirty bucks. Um, so it, it boots normally the Raspberry Pi operating system, which is a form of Linux, and there's different variations of the Raspberry Pi operating system too. 
But somebody decided to step it back a few notches as far as technology is concerned, still keep the Raspberry Pi, but instead of booting into a modern um, multitasking operating system, they managed to get the Raspberry Pi to boot straight into CPM. Yeah, that's and funny. Not not a CPM emulator over top of it, the Linux. It's CPM. <laughs> so you can actually get um, uh, this. Well, to, to install this, you get uh, like a Raspberry Pi SD card image, and then you use a small piece of software to copy that image onto your chosen SD card. You stick it in the Raspberry Pi, and it boots straight from it. So this is a what they consider a bare metal Z80 emulator. So. I was going to say, that's what's interesting about it. It is running an emulator, but it's so close to the, it's at a, a processor level emulator that that's a whole lot faster yeah, than it, the other it, way around. It, it basically, for all intents and purposes, bypasses you know a typical kernel. Now, I don't know all the details, but it's nice that it doesn't, you know, you don't have to wait for it to boot straight up into the operating system and then you run the emulator. This is just, it's all seamless apparently. Now it could be a Linux kernel of some sort, heavily modified. And that's the nice thing about, you know, kernel-based operating systems like this, especially like Linux where you build and compile the kernel to whatever features you need. Or if you're that skilled, you can write your own, you know, mod- modules to the uh, kernel and you know boot it into whatever you want so i got to try this out sometime i got to dig up my raspberry pi and uh build this image but there is a video on the page with the link that shows it at work and i'm going to try to do this without making a lot of sound i actually didn't see the video myself uh, but i read some of the details about it and it's it's pretty neat. Uh, yeah, it says like, it can boot CPM in like five seconds, just like the old days. Exactly. With this, without the that loud, whiny, grindy sound of an MFM drive. Mm-hmm. And without all the the go between software stuff in there. You know, this makes me remember back. Um, so from the in the Mac world, before the Macintosh, you know, uh, went to Intel processors. They were on um, Motorola's and then, you know, PowerPC processors. And even in the, the earlier Motorola days, there were like um, DOS emulators, you know, for the for the Mac. Um, trying to think, Soft PC it was called. And some of the earliest ones would run DOS. So these were, these were like, I guess, DOS emulators. And then you came out with something called Soft Windows. Have you ever heard of these? Yes. And it was emulating, you know, DOS and emulating Windows. I haven't played with them, but it's it's neat what they're doing with them. Well, and those were working on um and that was your only solution on a Mac and you know, even if you had the fastest Mac you could buy, let's just say in the mid 90s, you know, a PowerPC um and then you bought Soft Windows 3.1 or whatever, it ran, you know, okay, but it was slow because because you're running, you know, you have all the overhead of uh, the Mac operating system, and then you're running soft Windows on top of that, which is emulating Windows. And emulated it very accurately. You could, once you're in that environment, you could run, you could load Windows stuff, and that was neat. But then a product came on the market, I want to say, I don't know, late 90s, somewhere in there, 97, 98, and it was called Virtual PC, which ultimately Microsoft purchased that. But it was unique because it emulated the uh, Intel architecture and uh, sort of, do you see where I'm going with this? Sort of like this yeah. emulating Z80 architecture, um, well, which is based on Intel 8080, but then you could run Windows. It would have like a licensed ver- version of Windows with it that you'd buy, and then it would run a whole lot faster because the emulator part of it was only emulating that, you know, that closer to the metal or whatever. Basically, it was a hardware emulator. Hardware emulator, emulator yeah. And then you're running real Windows on top of that. So that's just what this made me think of. Reminds me of the days back in the Amiga, early Amiga days, where you can, um, where they had this program called PC Task, which software emulated an, an Intel-based, like uh, IBM PC, uh-huh. and you just had to have DOS on floppy disk, and you can actually run DOS stuff, but it was super slow because of the, you know, the inherent um, CPU was only what seven seven some odd megahertz on a on yeah. Amiga. Um, but yeah, they were doing that a long time ago. Um, but they've gotten better at it. 
And I was reading on a little bit on this uh, article, and they do reveal how they get this done for the CPM. They're using an open source development system called Altibo, if I'm pronouncing that right. It's an open Pascal project which lets you create bare metal applications for the Raspberry Pi. And I'm trying to find some details on Altibo, but you know, I'd have to read an awful lot on their website. Something I can't do at this moment. Um, no. But I'm guessing it's basically a, an, a set of APIs that you can assemble together functionality. I'm thinking kind of like on the lines of Arduino, mm-hmm. uh, where you can build bare metal from a set of libraries, you know, bare metal applications. Right. Um, and so... What they're saying here is you can, you know, with free Pascal and stuff, you can do things like, you know, create your own emulator. Hey, can imagine a Commodore 64 emulator that runs like this or an Apple II emulator or write your own Doom clone, whatever. You know, um, so that, that video that's actually on here is the Altibo tells you what they've done to get it where it is now and what you can do with Altibo. So that seems like something pretty neat to explore for those who, A, know Pascal um, and B, have the time to work on it. It sounds like it might be a very good, um, oh, what's that event that goes on twice a year? Uh, retro something oh, or other. The, um, yeah. Retro challenge. Yep. Yep. Could you imagine how many retro challenge projects can come from just this alone? Now, did you say you're going to try to load this? I think I'll, I'll give it a shot. I have a Raspberry Pi, um, like in a case and everything, and you know, I have a bunch of SD cards. All I got to do is just uh, uh, copy the image onto an SD card, stick in the Raspberry Pi, and boot it up. See what happens. I have one of the original Raspberry Pis. I have to try it out. I also have a B. Uh, was it the B version two or whatever it is? I have one of those somewhere, and I also have a Pi Zero yeah. um, somewhere. That's <laughs> just how it is with me. I buy these things, and you know, I don't know where they end up. All right. Well, that is very cool. So let's see. Moving along. So I did find a news item last minute here that, uh, like, because I thought of it. So this past week, um, I I think I saw someone else tweeted this out, and I, then I tweeted about it. But there uh, – so anyway, in the show notes, there's a review – let me go there – of a new documentary – called um, Silicon Cowboys. This is at New York Times. So review, Silicon Cowboys tracks the rise of compact computer. And um, I actually have not read this um, article. I just wanted to find one to put in the show notes since I'm talking about this. So this is from the middle of September. But um, I know recently uh, it, this, this documentary came up where you could buy it, which I did, or you can rent it on iTunes. And uh, I believe it's like three ninety nine for standard um, SD and it's Four ninety nine, I think, for HD. Um, so in any case, I I, uh, I I bought it. I had some credit on iTunes, and I watched it. And so it's a documentary about um, the rise. And uh, does it go into the fall? I think a little bit. Yeah, it goes into a bit of the fall of the compact computer, too. But you know what? I, I think off the top of my head, it was... Uh, oh, here it is right here. An hour and 17 minutes. I'll say an hour and a half. A little bit shy. And uh, really enjoyable. Really well done. I really enjoyed it. It gave me kind of a renewed respect for Compaq, which I always had liked the company. Um, you know, then they, but in the in its later years, it sort of got more genericized. It wasn't, you know, as an exciting of a company. And then, of course, HP gobbled them up, and it just then it just disappeared. <laughs> so it's it's sort of like what really happened, uh, and that led to the halt and catch fire. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it actually has exactly, and it actually has. I know, like I think it's like the producer, director, somebody from *Halt and Catch Fire*, is uh, is on it, is in it, talk and talking a little bit about the the history and stuff. But um, you know, other than the story you may know about, um, you know, their first computer where they um, not only competing against IBM as a as a fully compatible IBM portable, but you know, they reverse engineered. The, the BIOS where it could truly be 100% compatible, the first one. And that was sort of like the uh, fall, uh, beginning of the fall of IBM dominance in the personal computing world. But then it also goes into later on when IBM tried to dominate the industry with uh, microchannel architecture, the PS2, yeah. and then Compact and some of the other, Microsoft included, and Dell and Gateway and stuff got together and they, they uh, came out with the... Uh, um, PCI? No, IDE, but e, ESA? EIDE. EIDE, yeah, standard, yeah. 
No, yeah, ESA, E-I-S-A. E-I-S-A, thank you, yep. Um, the compete. Well, that lasted a short amount of time before. Well, but that that was the stand, that really did undermine IBM, and that was pretty much the beginning of their real big fall. I think I think a year later, after like an 88, 89 or something, IBM started losing a bunch of money. and you know, Yeah, the industry nothing. said IBM keeps up coming with something new, and, and the industry can just step them back down again. Yeah. And then the, the industry said, nope, we don't follow you any longer. And um, But anyway, so just I really enjoyed the documentary. Um, I So I recommend people checking it out. I I think – I'm trying to think where it ended, but I, it did not go up to the point of HP acquiring them, though, which I was kind of disappointed about that, frankly. Uh, I, I think it would have made sense if they could at least – I don't know – spent a couple of minutes actually on two things a couple of minutes on them acquiring digital you know deck which they did yeah. and then and then hp acquiring them i i really think that needs to be told to kind of wrap the whole story up and and they they didn't do that so but we're seeing check it out if nothing else check out this article and you can you can read more about it and uh i know you can um it has a trailer on here that you can check out you know at the article yeah, I, I clicked on the trailer. I just, I'm not going to watch it yet, but I'll have it after the show so I can watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to be covering two more of the early handheld computers, which we're going to be covering the Scion, and that's P S I O N, not to be confused with uh, the car, <laughs> and the AT and T EO personal communicator, which is also technically a personal digital assistant or PDA. Which after the show, we'll be moving more into those devices. Yeah, so, um, and some of them look like a PAD. <laughs> yep. So remember, um, this is the podcast where we take an informal look at personal computing history through the lens of eBay auctions. So it's sort of like Antiques Roadshow, but all about antique personal computers. And uh, now look, I have some old verbiage in here, so I don't need to read that. Um, so Jeff, take it away about a little bit about the Scion organizer from the source of all knowledge. Okay. The uh, Scion Organizer, not to be confused with the Cylon Organizer, which keeps all those shiny metal robots in order, was the brand name of a range of pocket computer developed by a British company, Scion, in the 1980s. The Organizer 1, launched in 1984, and Organizer 2, launched in 1986, had a characteristic hard plastic sliding cover protecting a 6x6 keyboard with letters arranged alphabetically. I don't know why they did that, but... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Uh, The Organizer 2 can be considered the first usable PDA in that it combined an electronic diary and searchable address database in a small portable device. And not much to it. We do have the link to the Scion Organizer uh, on Wikipedia. So that that article, of course, goes into more of what you were just reading about. So the Scion's um, origin, but then from there you can link off to go into more what we're going to be looking at are the, um, the three and the five. Yeah, the Scion Series 3 and Series 5 organizers, they're called, which were yeah. pocket computers. The Organizer 2, I mean, they have a picture here on Wikipedia. It's very, it looks like a calculator with a bunch of letters. Yeah. And I don't know if I would call, I mean, I guess, since we get into these technicalities about it being the first usable PDA, but frankly, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure John Scully is the one that uh, coined that term with the Newton. And, you know, so, so from... Yeah, you know, could be wrong, but the person, a personal digital assistant. So it's sort of a backronym or something like. Yeah, that. it's really more of like what. Well, what I'm about to talk about the EO as well as a Newton, is, is what those are, which you know used a stylus and had a touch screen. So to me, technically, it was not a PDA. It was, I think it was just an early organizer. Organizer with too. a stylus, yeah, just okay. like Captain Kirk used on the, on the bridge of the Enterprise, in the original shows. So the other computer we're talking about is uh, is the EO, which was an early commercial tablet computer created by EO Incorporated, later acquired by AT&T Corporation, and released in April of 1993. And EO, Latin for iGo, was the hardware spinout of Go. Officially named the AT&T EO Personal Communicator, it was similar to a large personal digital assistant with wireless communications and competed against the Apple Newton. And then uh, link in the show notes for its Wikipedia article. Yeah, it's an interesting size device, uh, and and as we go through the uh, eBay auctions, you'll see those. So take it away. What's your okay. first? Okay, first auction, 
My first auction is a Scion Series, and let me open the link here. Um, Scion Series 3A, so we're already talking a little bit past the early ones. It's hard to find some of the other ones. I, I remember seeing the Organizer 2 mm-hmm. um, uh, a while ago on, on eBay. I thought it was the funniest looking thing. But it still led to more Scion Series, so... Um, Yes, yeah, so you found your your auction in the UK, which I think these are more prevalent. I can never say that word right. I think these are more common in the in Europe anyway. And they may be, um, although shipping to the US would be expensive. Um, Scion Series Three computer with one megabyte and one megabyte flash SSD wow. memory, uh, and with the PC slash Apple serial link cable. That's cool. I wonder if that all still works. I guess it could. Well, it looks like it's powered up. And as far as the serial cable is concerned, it depends on what's being transferred. I don't know if any sync software will run properly. Oh, yeah. Unless you can run it under some kind of emulation or... um, Yeah, we were talking about layered emulation, operating system emulation. So either, you know, get your old IBM ThinkPad with Windows... 3.1 3.1 on it and you might be okay windows 95 might work um, but the device itself here is operational it has a solid state disk drive a bunch of accessories original boxes and stuff and its approximate u.s value is 53 dollars. that's what it went for um, so it's not very expensive if you want it if you're a collector of these type of items it's not cheap but it's not you know hundreds of dollars you know, extremely rare with a bunch of at symbols on either side of the word rare. No, because to the U.S., this is would have been what was shipping like seventy eight dollars. Yes, that's not too bad with everything this is coming with, and they're really these Scions, especially, are really nice looking design. Yeah, it looks like the keyboard is easy to use, even with two thumbs. Yeah, and the display has a nice resolution to it. It reminds me somewhat of like uh, the next grayscale, like the grayscale next interface. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, really With nice. With the big icons and stuff, yeah. So you had a calculator, world time clock, agenda, word, like a, like a spreadsheet and a It's funny. I'm, reach, I'm reaching into something. I have the Casio Boss mm-hmm. right now. And let's see. I just grabbed it out of a drawer here. And that has – boy, it only has 256K of RAM. So, gee, the Scion 3 is – has more capacity but yeah i'm looking i'm looking at my uh casio boss uh which stands for business organizer scheduling system comparing it to the scion and it has similar form factor you know, keyboard it folds folds open folds shut has a nice high resolution uh display but not grayscale and it's still holding the proper time we'll get to those later yeah <laughs> sorry that's a preview Let's I picked that here. up for two bucks at a flea market anyway. So I, you had already found an EO personal communicator, which you're going to get to. And um, I wasn't having good luck, but I actually I did end up finding one that had it's sold. Fun. And uh, sold for a bargain. Someone picked this thing up for only $76 out of Washington State and just $38 uh, shipping. I mean, that's these things are pretty rare and pretty uh, – you know, generally more way more expensive to come about. Actually, I don't know if it works though, but it looks to be in decent condition. Now, this is a 440, and I think the one you found is a 440, right? Yes. And um, there's actually a bigger one. There was an 880, which had a hard drive and a bigger screen, which we didn't find any of those. So, just by the way. So, what does it say? Uh, EO personal communicator 440, charger, perfect carrying case, and never use stylus. Here's the early tablet you've been looking for. <laughs> Batteries depleted, <laughs> but an excellent conversation starter non-smoking home so see it looks like an original star trek prop yeah and they're not saying if it works or not oh so maybe they don't have a uh well they have a power supply for well it. is the internal battery yeah it would be in like nicat or something so that would probably need to be replaced would this thing operate straight off of the power supply oh i think so or, or would this be in a situation kind of like the old mac portables no. where the battery has to be in good shape for everything to power up I, even with I used to have one. Um, I had like a really nice one that was in the box and everything for a long time, and its battery was toast. But it, but if you plugged it in, it worked fine. 
okay, so we can assume based on that that this probably won't work. Maybe it was bad. Yeah. But yeah, even in a non-working condition, I would say that this person got a deal on it. A real good deal because these are these are definitely pretty rare. There was a race on bids, fourteen bids on this yeah. thing. Yeah, I'm really surprised it only got up to seventy six. Oh, you know what? It was only two people bidding. Oh, Somebody really? kept. Yeah, it. it uh, yeah, the same person who initially bid won it. Somebody came in, did a high bid. I guess it. Uh, so why all these steps? I forget how this works. The same person, all these different steps. Was he increasing his high bid each time? Oh, or- because I bet you that person that finally got it at 75, they probably were doing a bunch of bids, and then that generated the other person's to bid. Kept him, yeah. Solidify yeah. a bid. And then finally they, got, they were able to get 75 in there, which Bumped stuck, the and then the other person came in at 76. And also, if you look, they <laughs> came in. Oh, no, look, they actually came in. It, that 76 came in. Oh, so the 75 happened, but then the 76 came in right on top of it. So I don't know. Two hours later. Four, yeah, two, hour, two hours later. Well, if you look, it's only 30 seconds later of their, their last bid, though. So maybe they were watching it and they just jumped in with it. Or you something. know what I see here? I see a $66 bid August 11th at 4.02 yeah. Pacific. And then... The next bid, which is the other person's $75 bid, oh. it was two hours prior. Oh, wait. I see that. You're right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah. What is up with that? That huh. is interesting. But, yeah, then it looks like uh, 30 seconds later, the original bidder got his in. So who knows how this works? Two bidders, 14 bids, five-day duration. So how about you? What's your next one? Another another Scion? Yes. <laughs> I'm just cranking them up. Series 5. It makes me wonder if I should just do a quick search right now for a, uh, Organizer 2. And what's PLC? Um, where do you see that at? Oh, it's in the description. Or Scion Computers PLC Series 5. It is? Well, it's in the title, yeah. So I don't know. Hey, am I looking at the right one? Oh, I'm looking at yours. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's just what they have it as. I, I right clicked on the wrong one. Personal, personal something computer. Yeah. See, the, oh, I, that could be PLC series. I think the one thing I like about this uh, is it's 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 an attractive device. It's got nice silk screened images for all the different functions: system, word sheet, contacts, etc. Uh, the keyboard looks like it has full size keys. You probably have a nice, comfortable throw to them, you know, when you use them. Oh yeah, because this is and like an upgraded model from the display is like four shades of gray. It even has like a watermark background on the primary image. Epoch. Yeah. Yeah. PLC. I don't know what that stands for. I mean, I know the only PLC I know of is a programmable logic controller, but that's not what this is. Um, Scion Computers PLC. Yeah, personal something like that. Um, but anyway, this, and this works off of, was it double A batteries? Yeah. Two double A's and probably a CR 2032 for backup memory backup. And it sold for, which you can get at the dollar tree, by the way, two pack for a yes. dollar. Oh, you can. I, hey, yeah. If it lasts a month, then it's still worthwhile. <laughs> this one sold for ninety nine ninety nine with free shipping. So would that be expensive for something like this? Is that something very rare? Well, I think this one, it's an MX, which I think is like one of the later models. See, it's a 16 meg. Okay. So I think, yeah, I guess, you know, arguably this is more desirable. Which I don't, me personally, I don't understand that. Like, why, what do I care if I'm getting a 20-year-old, you know, little pocket computer that's more powerful? That doesn't even run DOS. Well, I mean, See, does it matter that it's not that runs that's DOS. more powerful than it's... Because I'm, I'm not really going to do anything with it other than mess around with it. Well, for every collectible series of devices, there's going to be somebody who wants them all. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to that's going to set the pricing point. How many people want to collect all the Scion series? Or how many people had one of these when they were younger, got rid of it, gave it to you know some coworker, and now wish they had it back, um, and then end up 
picking up one of these. That's what makes it tough to price them uh, because devices like this really aren't always high on the list for a lot of people. There's going to be a, very few people who would demand something like this or, or, or pay anything for something like this. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like it's almost like a vertical market in a way. And I ha- and so we're not getting to the, like the one that I have, but um, I have a later model called the is it the Evo, which I thought about looking up one, but I think it's similar to this one. I think it's the equivalent of that. Let me do a search real quick. Are you e- finding it? No. Evo e epoch. That's funny. That word epoch. What is that about? A oh, Revo. I'm sorry. So it's the Scion Revo. Which I think is one of the, the later ones. So it's got a real nice and Here's the Scion Organizer, too. For sale? Yes, and it's an active auction. It ends in 19 hours. Starting bid, twenty four ninety nine. Nobody bid on it yet. And it works. Now you got to get it. There you go. <laughs> let, me, let, me, uh, let me just put this in the... Uh, show notes come on back button does work i tested before there we go all right here's that's a model lz and then there's a model xp that's going for 24 bucks and all right oh i actually i oh i did pick one of the organizer twos now you didn't just pick my auction did you oh i don't know let's go look at yours and see so I guess we're jumping ahead to my other one. So it's the I found a Scion Organizer Two model LZ sixty four with printer manual AC comms and extras. Yep, that's the one. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> never mind. All right, so that's, okay, so it's represented. That's what counts. Oh yeah, so I decided. Yeah, I would try to. I'd find one of these older ones. The list since we did a couple of the threes and the fives or whatever. So um, here's well, somebody trying to sell one for four hundred ninety five dollars too. So here, let me take it to my my next next on the agenda is I found a series five. Oh yeah, this one looks really nice. Um, let's see, this is a series five in the box. Um, Scion series five handheld computer, eight meg, untested. It's from Austin Goodwill Computer. You know Austin Goodwill. You know the Goodwill thrift store yeah. is twelve sixty one economy shipping out of Austin. Right now has no bids with two days left. Nine ninety nine opening bid, and in the box, I mean that's pretty nice. It's always nice here. I just I don't get why haven't they plugged it in or tried it though. Maybe they don't do that. So it looks really nice and clean. They uh, all I have to do is pop some batteries in it. Does it have a power supply? But uh, but there you go in the box and everything. The series five. So this is a uh, I think so. This is you know. The one you just had was an MX or whatever. This is just the standard Series 5, which was an improvement over the 3, though, because they had the pro- the proper keyboard. I know they redesigned the case just a little bit. So um, Yeah, they took plenty of pictures of it, but yeah, no... Uh, yeah, why wouldn't you try it, though? That's what I don't understand. Cosmetically good. Um, small scratches and blemishes do exist, but are minimal. Light additional detailed cleaning may be required. And then their main uh, description says product has not been tested, not in all caps. It's being sold as is. Any other uh, necessary cables or parts will need to be purchased separately. Yeah, you know, if it was buy it now, I would have bought it at that price. Yeah. 10 bucks. Yep. Well, and for me, it'll be $15 shipping, but eh, it's in my watch list. Uh-oh. You may get it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's nice in the box. I like the box. Sort of a lime green deal. It's got PC uh, docking included. It's PSI Win software. Oh, so there's designed for Windows NT and 95. Oh, okay. Well, I wonder if it'll run in modern versions of the operating system. How much of the core uh, Windows kernel needs needs to be there for that to work if they if they used apis just standard operating system apis then it should be compatible to some degree or it could be made to work in compatibility mode 
Mo- um, most stuff won't work, though, right? When it comes down to serial connectivity, sometimes you have a problem there. All right, so you take it away. Your next one. Yeah, my next one was the an oh, AT&T the AT- yep. EO440. Yeah, right. now this, this is this seems more normal for how much it got. This one had ended, yeah, sold for three hundred and fifty dollars with the you know very good shipping cost nine forty five from Florida nine forty five would have been for me and good use condition tested is working and <laughs> no pictures of it actually turned on but it still sold for three hundred and fifty dollars so yes yeah. this is a very rare item people want these by hook or by crook that they'll they'll believe when somebody says it works we still don't know if it does but um and then you don't have a picture right of it working but also um and no charging cable apparently either yeah not a picture of the stylus well actually i can see the stylus now from the back picture um do you see it it's like along the side long one the oh, side there it there. is yep um but yeah they don't show the power supply and, and i wonder do you see all the fingerprints on the bottom of it i wonder if that it's starting to have that tacky stuff going on with the case because it seems like that should be happening about now with it oh the, is that, that's is that what happens with that it, case. it breaks yeah. down it turns to goo um but yeah, so there you go, three hundred fifty bucks for that one. And at, as it stood, there are no new new of these. You know, there's no action, active auctions with any of these on there. So I don't think you're going to see a lot more of these come up. They get rarer and rarer. Yeah, and I didn't realize they had that kind of um, coating on them that starts to break down. I can just see how that'll be a mess. Well, I could be wrong, but I think it did. It's been a while since I had mine, but just just looking at the back, like if you zoom in on the back, the bottom of it in the picture, see what I'm talking about? With the, it just sort of looks like it. Yeah, either the person just never bothered washing it, or it's yeah, it's starting to pick up fingerprints from the pressure from the from the relief on the you know the prints themselves. The EO communicator. You know, while looking at this as as a. As a sidestep, I, I've always been looking for one of those um, uh, three and a half inch to USB flash drive disc emulators. Yeah, and I would always see them for um, forty bucks or so plus shipping. Well, here's somebody selling one three point five inch, one point four four megabyte floppy disk drive to USB emulator, twenty one fifty four. Shipped. You didn't get it. It's in my watch list. He, more than 10 available, 774 sold. Um, my question is, does it work in any system? In other words, can I stick it in, say, the Commodore Amiga? It, I don't know if it'll support 720K disk. I think that would be the difference. Hey, um, I'm going to include something in the show notes that I just remembered. You think I would have jumped on this earlier, but I just thought of it again. And um, like I said, I used to own one of these uh, AT&T EO communicator, and I had, I got a really nice one. I'm pretty certain it was new old stock. It hadn't really ever been used. It was in the box, so it came with the manual and the. Um, it came with a VHS video, owner's video, and it came, <laughs> and also cool. had the cellular phone attachment that went on it which is really funny to see. So uh, I'm going to include a uh, link in the show notes to I digitized the owner's video and I put it up on the archive, Internet Archive. Sure, put it on there. That'd be great. uh, So you can go and watch that, and it's pretty neat. I had a cell phone adapter for a um, Palm Pilot that hooked up to the the, um, Motorola flip phones. Yeah. The StarTac. Um, I I had the service for a little while. It It was neat. Uh, it was expensive to to work that way, so um, yeah, it's probably like fifty dollars a month, right? Just for like really minor data stuff. I think it was more, yeah, how much it ate up on the minutes on my phone plan because it treated the phone as a modem. So I uploaded this video on January fifth, twenty thirteen. So that must have, and then it's had three hundred and seventy six views. Not that it, yeah. And you know, I it's I'm glad I put I put a well, number on of videos. You know, anything can happen. It, it, it's so much there. 
I mean, you could spend days and days and days just going through some of the vintage computer stuff there, and or vintage electronic stuff, and it's it's like trying to explore the universe. You don't. It's like there's no end. It almost seems like uh, you'll you'll die before you finish the last article on archive.org. And I'm looking on YouTube now to see if this video exists, and I don't see it. So maybe I should like. Um I should put it on YouTube. It would get a lot more looks, I bet. I mean, I'm glad I put it on the archive, on the Internet Archive, but it, I don't think it just doesn't get anywhere near the views that things on YouTube get. Yeah, if you're counting views, that's one thing. If you just want to have an archive of, of it for posterity, then definitely archive.org. Hmm. Anyway, all right, I'll add that. So, um, so where are we? Oh, so my turn again. Okay, so now we're back to I had chosen the uh, Scion Organizer 2 model LZ64 with printer, manual, AC, comms, and extras. It's active less than a uh, day, so it's like 19 and a half hours. Nope, no bids. Twenty four ninety nine opening bid out of New York, Brooklyn, fifteen ten shipping to me. Um, so there you go. It's pretty um, pretty cheap. I think there's a few of these, you know, on um, on eBay. So. If I don't you, know why I couldn't find it before. Yeah, if you'd like one of these, either a one or a two, they're not too hard to come by or too expensive, really. I, I think because most people don't really just know about them. But like this one has the original manual, 64K data pack, uh, the printer, rolls of printer paper, modem, IBM AT adapter, Mac Plus connector, not picture, AC connector and power supply, program packs, protective slip covers and leather belt carrying cases. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. And you know, it's using a standard four by twenty LCD uh, alphanumeric display. Nice uh, and clear. Yeah, well, those kind of displays—it just looked familiar to me. Those kind of displays are being used by Arduino enthusiasts quite oh, often now. because they're they're very popular for text output for Arduinos because they're so easy to work with. It's a serial-based display; you can just send it data in. Uh, four or eight bits at a time and it just displays what you tell it to display so i can see a company designing i mean these are the same kind of displays that would be on the old um uh laser printers that would have the multi-line displays that would say pc low letter and that kind of stuff so yeah why not incorporate it as a, an output display on a uh, device like this if you look at the picture of the back of it, you can see fairly large there in the silver area. It says "Made in UK." So right, so these were this was yep. a UK device. So that's why it wasn't quite as uh, big. In fact, I really I don't think you saw too too many at all of um, these in the United States. It really wasn't to maybe the Series Five that you even saw any of those too much. So it was made in the UK. A. Why isn't it spelled P S I O U N? Oh. <laughs> Sion. All right, take it away. Okay, yeah, well, we're done with the uh, Scions and, and EOs. Now we're going to our random auctions. Oh, I thought you had... Did you have something else there earlier? No. Oh. I, I still kind of want to buy one of these. Yeah, actually, what I had there earlier, I used in the last show. Oh, okay. So... What I picked, because it kind of came up randomly, that's why it's a random auction, is the Vintage HP OmniGo 100 Palm Top PC Handheld Computer Geos with a Stylus. And this already sold. Um, but it's a, it's a handheld form factor clamshell type um, yeah. uh, pocket computer with, as they call it, Geos with Stylus. I, I assume it's like geos as in the geos operating system that was popular on various computer systems and very it looks like you're looking at displays there's not any high resolution displays here what what you see is basically what you get but the uh the windows and stuff kind of look like something you would see on on geos on the commodore 64 or 128 or didn't apple have geos also no no it was uh, a competitor commodore did Commodore had it, and I think it another eight-bit uh, system, or maybe Geos for PC was out yeah, too. Yeah, Geo okay. Works Ensemble. 
That's it. Okay. Was the 16-bit one. So not much detail about this particular one, but I thought it was neat because you can fold the screen backwards so it holds like a PDA in a way, and then you flip it back the other way. It, you know, you have the keyboard uh, at the ready, so you can do typing right onto its fairly high-resolution screen. But it sold for 42 bucks with $8 ship. No, it didn't sell. This is live. You can buy it for 42 bucks, and there's two available. So guy must have got these... Uh, Got a few hand-me-downs from some business or something. And it's, oh, go ahead. No, I just said it's neat. And there is actually a uh, there's a 200 Omnigo 200, and I guess you don't. Uh, whoops, you don't see them too often. So I'm not finding any of them. Yeah, I don't see them either. Not even those completed listings. Mm-mm. There's Omnigo 700. And the completed listings that sold. Well, check it out in my search. From Hungary. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. When I was actually when I was trying to find an EO, an EO communicator, and I was searching just for EO communicator, for some reason these guys came up. So then I just did a search for IBM Simon. So the link in the show notes is just a search for IBM Simon. These are active. Um, Auction. So if you look, I think um, they're not cheap. Well, there's there's four of them actively going, which no, they're not cheap. But I'm really amazed that there's four of these on eBay right now. But these are, um, and I think I'm. Oh, you know what? I misspoke in um, somewhat recently. I think in the presentation they gave it. I, I want the video of my presentation for Vintage Computer Festival Midwest has been uploaded. And I tweeted about it and all, and that was it was pretty good. But I think I misspoke and I said this is from 1987. It was from 1993, I think, or 94. Now I can't remember exactly. But um, these are pretty rare. And the fact that there's any of them listed amazes me. Now, here's one in the box for 34.95, which that's, I think, 3,495. Yeah, I think that's way too much. But then here's another one that's. Um, Rare IBM showing that it works. Simon personal communicator, first smartphone original box for twelve hundred dollars a best offer. That's actually not too crazy for how rare it well, is. Well, you almost read verbatim the same title as what I'm looking at that sold for seven hundred and eighty. It says rare IBM okay. Simon personal computer communicator first smartphone, but maybe it doesn't come with any extras unless I open it up and see. And it sold for seven hundred and eighty dollars. Um Good working condition, couple small scratches on the screen, otherwise been covered with the case of the body. The phone has no blemishes. Um, does not include the charger, but does include the battery. So, and, and not much in the description. So, people who buy these know what they are and know what they want. Mm-hmm. So, um, these are very interesting. I remember reading about them when they came out. It was a uh, jointly developed phone by um, Bell South and IBM again in 1994. Um, they were available in some very limited markets. There's some people out there, and as you see in these eBay auctions that like to call them smartphones or the first smartphones. And uh, Evan Koblitz, who is the you know the um, fe- you know, I remember him, yeah, yeah, our, our friend who is a computer historian, and he's written a book about uh, portable computing and. Um, you know, he he runs the Vintage Computer Festival East, so he he considers this the first smartphone. I personally do not consider this the first smartphone, and I'll explain why. Is that um, there's to me there's uh, well again it's really debatable, right? But there's one key thing to me that that ulti- that ultimately designated something as a smartphone. So the earliest smartphones had this thing, and it was called internet connectivity, which this did not have that. Um, so your earliest ones would be like the Nokia 9000 series from like 97 or whatever, a few years after yeah. this. And then in the United States, generally the uh, Trio 180 from 2002 was kind of the first smartphone in the U.S. Because, again, it had internet ki- connectivity, so you could get email and you could like surf the web. But, you know, without going too much into it, I, I generally kind of consider the iPhone 2007 as being the first true smartphone because it had a legitimate like desktop quality email program as well as web browser on it. And then, of course, you had the the Google uh, 
the G1, you know, first Android phone a year later came out. Anyway, so what this Simon phone was is it had a touch screen built into it. You can go look at one of the auctions, see what it looks like. But really what this was would be more what you consider an organizer phone or a PIM phone, a personal information manager. So you could have your address book in the phone and it could dial the numbers for you and you could save numbers and you could do a lot of all that same stuff, but it really wasn't a, uh, you know, you couldn't get email and you couldn't surf the web on it. You couldn't get email? I don't think so. Let's see. It's, it does say email, but it's probably not internet based. It's probably like their service. Yeah. It, it, look, you look at the description of the box. It says cellular phone, fax, email, cellular pager, address book, calendar, appointment scheduler. But yeah, the, something similar was you know, with the Palm Pilot and stuff. And when you had, I was talking about the cable that connected to a phone. You can get email, but it wasn't, it most likely wasn't like POP3 or direct internet, you mm-hmm. know, TCP, IP connectivity. You probably bridged through some service that handled it for you and you just had data that went back and forth you know from your device to whatever those services were so yeah in that sense it it probably wasn't true internet connectivity right you still had the email and you probably had some sort of you know like simon.com type email or whatever you know using their service well you know that is i could be wrong though the fact that it has email but again it didn't have what again well i I don't know i guess i kind of want to stick to that thing about what you could you'd say true internet capability for me true internet capability meant you had an ip address and you can you know do things with socket connectivity it's neat though it's a pretty neat idea yeah, it's 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 a neat style phone and i'm sure you know there was very rich people who would you know be talking on these all the time and pressing on the screen, making, you know, us, uh, simpletons and, and poor people who couldn't afford anything like that. Wonder what it's all about and <laughs> go ooh and ah over it, you know, just like the first cellular phones. It was cool. But anyway, that's so, cool. Yeah. So pick one up. Yeah. It's only, a, it's only four digits. So well, you can get them for seven fifty, but without all the extras. So we decided, I guess there wasn't much to, as far as Facebook, right? The report. Not that we didn't generate ourselves. No. And then on Twitter, um, I don't think there's anything. Let me just look real quick. I don't think there's anything much to, um, uh, bah, 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 no. We talked about you getting a jitterbug. <laughs> me getting a jitterbug. I did share my presentation, though. So if you check out the. Oh, uh, that's right. Because I'm old now. I need yeah. a jitterbug phone with the big buttons and so the big if you, screen. If you, um, if you check out you know, my tweet on there from our, our uh, thing, you can see where about my presentation at VCF Midwest, which I think is pretty good. Check that out. Yeah, it's queued up and some things. I, I, I don't get to watch a whole lot of stuff, um, but it's queued up on the stuff I need to see, you know, put on my list that I need to see. So I will watch that eventually. And then you said we got an email? Yes, we did. And while I'm at it, I I might be able to go over a couple other emails that I may have forgotten in the past. Uh, We have an email from a Paul – I'm going to pronounce this C-O-A-D, Coed, Coed, Code. C-O-A-D, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like road but code. Um, And it's an email that says – it's about the AT&T EO. It said related to the EO was Go Corporation. The CEO, Jerry Kaplan, wrote an excellent book called – I guess called Startup – about the experience of working on Go through the sale to AT&T. Um, he really? gave a talk at the Computer Literacy Bookstore in San Jose sometime in the 90s, and then he has a link to the uh, Go Corporation Wikipedia page. Uh-huh. And and then he, apparently the guy was going on about the golden age of pen computing, like Newton, Palm Pilot, Handspring, Zoomers, etc. And he, he ends it with saying, thanks for the interesting shows. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes. It's always nice to know that people enjoy these. Uh, quick look at the Go page. Um, I wonder if that video is available anywhere. Just quickly glancing through here. All I see is that uh, when Kaplan filed an antitrust suit against Microsoft, alleging that Microsoft technicians had stolen technology from Go that had been shown to them under non-disclosure agreement. Now, why would Microsoft do something like that? Didn't they learn the first time around? Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
Um, and certain features of the Windows tablet PC apparently were found to infringe on the patent by Go Corporation. You know, I kind of vaguely remember that now. Um, and, you know, but, Microsoft, they had a, boy, during the late 90s and um, through, what, the mid-2000s, they were on fire trying to, you know, have pin windows for pin computing or whatever. Remember, they were really trying to, to jumpstart that whole industry. The, the pad pin computing they just couldn't get it to catch on remember they made some really big announcement like 2002 I think even uh, anyway go ahead it didn't really happen alright not a problem um, and looking back I don't know if I read these before because they were still highlighted bold in the email I don't know they got mixed up in a lot of those every time somebody posts on Twitter or something like that on our account we get an email to that so it might have just got pulled right in with the rest of them uh, this one was from June 9th of this year um, guys talking about the secret history of Mac gaming book did we discuss that before uh, no I well mate but go ahead if we did it was a okay. while back and yeah um uh, a gentleman named Richard Moss uh, wanted to let us know about a book that he was writing uh, called The Secret History of Mac Gaming. It's a twofold project for him to show how the Macintosh computer in the early Mac gaming scene changed video games and to share a mostly untold and previously unrecorded stories of creativity and independence that characterized Mac game development, particularly in the thriving shareware scene throughout the 80s and 90s, and by extension, much of the independent software development in general during this era. Uh, he includes a two-minute pitch video for a quick overview, and there's a crowdfunding page. Uh, I wonder if that crowdfunding page is still active or if he met the goal. Um, load that up real quick here. Crowdfunding page is fully funded. Okay. Uh. So you can still support it by uh, a pledge. And he also made an audio documentary as a teaser for the book about how the brothers behind Mist got into game development, how they made their first game, The Manhole. Um, and the book will tell the story in greater depth and carry it th through to and beyond Mist. And he asked us to mention on the show, and if we did not, I apologize. A lot of times this email gets stuck between a whole bunch of other... A rock. General, yeah, it gets stuck between uh, status information from Twitter and stuff. Um, and he's available for interview. So we had to consider something like that. And, and I do remember, I think I had an email exchange with him some time back. That's I, right, you did. But I, um, and I think, but, I, but I, I either forwarded it to James and John from the Retro Mac cast, or I, or I um, you know, I mentioned they, they might be better suited to interview him. Since it's it's a, a Mac specific thing, and I think they might have interviewed him actually. So not sure. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure either. But it, yeah, might be one thing to follow on. Um, just out of curiosity, I just have to remember to put these links in the show notes. Um, and also in June, June fourth, feedback from eBay episode fourteen back in our old uh, naming um, style. Um, from Norbert Landsteiner and it was saying David regarding your oral BK08 I think you have oh, yeah. one of those uh -huh. and, a, and a video conversion be aware that there wasn't only POW and NTSC but also CCAM used in France in the Eastern Bloc so it was a little note about some of the video conversion stuff you were talking about um, he said he wasn't familiar with the oral computer but um, it may have been intended for use with CCAM than PAL. You had a, I guess you had a question back then about video conversion and what to convert from to get to NTSC. Yeah, and um, so let me I'll, – I'll speak to that real quick. Let me see if I can jump over to – there's a Facebook group, by the way, and I'll explain if anybody's into it. And here it is. So um, it's the ORL, O-R-E-L, BK-08 and other – ZX Spectrum clones. So I purchased one of these off of eBay some time ago, and um, and so they're they're uh, you know Soviet era um, and Eastern Bloc you know late '80s eras un unauthorized ZX Spectrum clones. So mine is actually from the so former Soviet Union, uh, new old stock. So you can buy these on eBay still, 
And um, so anyway, there's a group on Facebook, though, if you're interested, that you can join. Uh, you, can, you can Again, you can buy. And it's really interesting to see the different one of these type of machines that come through. But I haven't looked into it in a while. But from what I can tell, um, there's people in Europe. So this isn't what I can tell. This is the truth. There's people in <laughs> Europe that have acquired these. And, uh, of course, there's, and there's a, they've been able to make them work um, in Europe as far as the display and all that. Here in the U.S., uh, the issue of converting power isn't a big deal. It's, it's the issue of converting um, the video. And um, so far as I know, no one in the U.S., and there's less people in the U.S. that have these, have been able to make it display. So it's, it's not just converting the, the um, PAL to NTSC. It's like finding the appropriate type of connector conversion thing. And, uh, and again, off the top of my head, I don't remember the specifics. But, um, wow, here's a guy. And just by the way, if you check out this group, it's a closed group, so you have to ask to join. But I think you can browse it. But here's Peter Giyongyossi from October 12th. And he posted two pictures of his collection. And wow, he must have like 50 of these guys, of these different. Wow. Yeah. And it's just really interesting to, to see. So that's worth jumping over to look at that. So just do a search for, you know, ORLBK-08 you know, on Facebook and you'll find this group. But um, anyway, thanks. So really, yes. mine, mine is new old stock and it's cool in the package and everything. But I guess in my collection, it's just a just a display piece for right now. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't have anything to hook it up to. And even if you get, uh, let's say it is C-cam, you get a C-cam-based television, uh, you still have to have a 220 converter. Yeah, it's got a weird, it's got a weird connector. Oh, wait a it's France 220 or are they 120? I think they're 220. Okay. I mean, that you can convert to one to the other. It's not that difficult. Yeah, um, again, it's just the um, it's just the connector. And I'm trying to think, in Europe, a lot of the game systems and the old computers, 8-bits, they had this this one kind of uh, connector. Do you know, does that pop in your head what that might be? I can't think of what it's called. Very, very large number of pins. Yeah. Yeah, that's C-cam. C-cam no, was like the ultimate. But I think it's called something else. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, SCART. Yeah, there you go. SCART connector. SCART. Why am I confusing this? Oh, C-cam is a type of uh, signal. SCART connector. Yeah, SCART connector was like the ultimate. That's what they needed in the United States. Because then you'd have your composite. You'd have, I think, they'd have RGB yeah. separated out. All that stuff. I mean, that would have made using the Commodore 128 uh, an ultimate thing. and Just off of any television. A um, pleasure. Yes, but <laughs> SCART, SCART was the connector. And I guess it was up to the country what video format they supported i'd have to look do some more research into that but uh yeah i remember now the scart connector was uh just amazing piece of connectivity that i wish they had in the u.s but and with that i think we're about wrapping it up done okay now we have to send our uh, mickey mouse club outro and and I have something new to add at the end of the show. So all listeners, stay tuned to the very end uh, uh, of the show. And uh, there's a nice little bit of audio I'm attaching. And it's from a little uh, YouTube video that explains Caveat mTOR uh, a little bit right. better. And I thought it was pretty neat. And um, it's short. But um, that'll do it for this show. And in two weeks, show 50 will be released. And that'll be Friday, October 28th, a little bit under two weeks now. And we're going to continue covering the third tier of personal computing. In the next show, Jeff, we're going to, f- we're going to uh, fully move into PDAs and look at the history of the Apple Newton message pad, which includes the E-Mate. So that's a big right. category. We're going to be just sticking with that for one show. Because there's, there's a, you know, a lot to talk about. Well, there's a few different ones out there. So we will have plenty of examples to to fill up on that. And what we're going to do is we're going to write our um, show notes on the Newton and whatever it converts it to. That's what we're going to read. <laughs> you know, I keep forgetting to ask. Like, do you? Um, we should ask each other this. Like, uh, so on today's show, we covered the EO communicator and the Scion. We didn't also discuss about what we thought the values were. So, um, so do you have either one of those? No, I do not. Um, they look neat. I, I, I wish I can come across an EO really cheap, but I know I'm not going yeah. to do that. Uh, but the Scion, you know, I, I keep my eye on the or, or the uh, was it the organizer too? 
Which one? Which one did I put in my? Uh... Yeah, the organizer too. Yeah, like the one I. Found. It's it's a neat little shape device. Well, I mean, it, it is what it is. <laughs> and hold on, real quick. I'm setting my earpieces down here. I'm going over here and grabbing something. Hold on. Let's see. That means he has one. Oh, okay. So I only got this not too long ago. So I did have an EO communicator for a number of years, and I sold it some time ago. But I actually have a Scion, but it is a Scion in the form of a Diamond Mako. So a Diamond, um, they used to they made video cards mostly, right? Di- oh, the same Diamond. Oh, yeah, they yeah. also did the Di- Diamond Rio. Uh, the MP3 player, the very yeah, first MP3 exactly. player. Exactly. So this is a uh, rebadged. Excuse me, Scion. I think it's the same as the five, maybe the five MX. But um, but it's called the Diamond Mako. So basically, it's the Scion that was marketed in the U.S. market. And I'm trying to think, does mine even work? I think I tested it recently and it wasn't working. But um, maybe I'll mess around with it tonight now since I just pulled it out. But anyway, so I do have one on hand here. But they're they're neat little uh, devices. So if you're interested in trying to acquire one, you might do a search for Diamond Mako. I should have thought about doing that and see if um, yeah, see if you can find one. Do you have any Newtons? No, I really wasn't into Apple stuff. I knew somebody who had one, and he was going to it was going to be pried out of his cold dead hands. That's how much he liked it, uh, <laughs> and that was in the late '90s too. Well, I have an E-Mate that still works I've had for a while and those are pretty cheap to come by and I have a 130 which is more of the the classic Newton form factor um, a little bit different because it evolved after the very first one but I have one of those that works and that's pretty neat in a case and everything so uh, anyway so that's going to do it uh, you can find all the show notes at historyofpersonalcomputing.com Send your feedback to feedback at historyofpersonalcomputing.com or you can leave comments right on the show notes uh, on our webpage or you can uh, you can tweet to us if you like. But um, tell someone about us too, please. Uh, write a review to iTunes. Spread the word on Facebook, Google+, Twitter. And if you're in a discussion, especially discussion group or the Vintage Computer Forum, link in the show notes, talk about us there. Uh, we're on Facebook, History of Personal Computing, um, and of course, Twitter. History and if you're PC. a graffiti artist, just put it on the side of a train or a building, but we're going to disavow that. Yeah. Get a t-shirt made. Oh, yay. That'll work. Hey, we got to look at, you think we got to look at getting a, a, a t-shirt made? We gotta get sure, why not? Maybe some vinyls. You had made those cups a while back, and I, I, I've used my cup recently. Yes, those are unique. They're worth an awful lot on eBay. You just put the word right <laughs> in front of it. Good yeah. go. Maybe we should open a shop, you know, where you can... Uh, <laughs> Where they make it on demand, the shirts and all that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Does that cost something to set up? Not, no. I think they'll. It, you just, it just. Uh, there's a certain cost, and you get a certain amount of the residual sale. We should look at that. We should. I think we have a logo too. So that'll do it, folks. Until next next time, you know what? See you next time, Jeff. See you next time, caveat emptor. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. Welcome to the Investors Trading Academy Talking Glossary of Financial Terms and Events. Our word of the day is caveat emptor. Caveat emptor is Latin for let the buyer beware. Under the principle of caveat emptor, the buyer could not recover damages from the seller for defects on the property that rendered the property unfit for ordinary purposes. The only exemption was if the seller actively concealed latent defects or otherwise made material misrepresentations amounting to fraud. Before statutory law, the buyer had no express warranty ensuring the quality of goods. Who is liable to snipe you With two seconds left to go Whoa Got PayPal or Visa